Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello. Welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. At Holy Love Ministries, we are passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and live in God's freedom. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. God kept calling my heart. Like, I just knew He was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. And He's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. This is Jennifer Slattery, someone who is right there with you in this battle for soul deep peace. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, and if you've spent any time in a Christ-following church, you have probably heard these verses at least once, the first from Philippians 4, which seems to indicate if we choose not to worry and instead surrender everything to God, we will automatically experience perfect supernatural peace. And the second from Isaiah 26, verse 3, which states you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And, And maybe when you hear those words... They felt like almost like an attack because you have tried both. You've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed with every ounce of strength you have and still you struggle. Well, if that's you, my guest today, Becky Harling, she totally gets it. She knows what it's like to battle anxiety, but she has also discovered some powerful tools in scripture to fight back. Tools, I believe, can greatly help all of us find increased peace in the middle of our most challenging and uncertain seasons. Becky, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, it's great to be with you, Jennifer. This is so fun. So thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Well, Becky has a degree in biblical literature. She's a sought-after speaker and Bible teacher at women's conferences and retreats. And through her writing, Becky creatively combines deep biblical insights with her powerful testimony and the stories of other women. Her life experiences as a pastor's wife, parent of four adult children, grandmother of five grandchildren, women's ministry director, survivor of breast cancer, and sexual abuse bring depth and authenticity to her message. She brings a message of hope and healing that is refreshingly transparent. 
She's the author of numerous titles, including Rewriting Your Emotional Script. We might have to actually bring you back to talk about that one. Uh, I would love that. (laughs) And also Freedom from Performing, probably another topic we should discuss. Psalms for the Anxious Heart. And the study that caused me to reach out to her for this episode, The Extraordinary Power of Praise, a six-week study of the Psalms for the Anxious Heart. Well, Becky, in your study, you mentioned how you have long battled anxiety. And I imagine readers will find just your acknowledgement, your transparency really comforting because I think it helps to create safe places for discussion when we are in Bible study groups or when we're, you know, going through these studies. And you wrote about a time in particular was a really stressful, anxious time for you and a mentor encouraged you to begin each day praising God. So why was that so important and how did that help to decrease your anxiety and increase your peace? Yeah. And so that was an extremely anxious time. I had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. Steve, my husband and I were in the thick of raising kids and I was looking at a double complete mastectomy. And I remember this mentor telling me, well, I really want you to try praising God for 20 minutes a day for five days. And at the time, Jennifer, I thought, this is the most bizarre challenge I've ever been given. I hardly (laughs) feel like jumping up and down saying, hallelujah, I'm going to lose both the sisters in a week. You know, I mean, I just did not feel like praising God, but she said, I'm not asking you to praise God for cancer. I'm asking you to praise God for who he is above the cancer. Wow. And I remember thinking, okay, what have I got to lose? Either way, I'm facing the surgery, so I might as well give this a shot. And so I began getting on my knees every morning, early in the morning. I would put on my headphones, turn on some worship music, and I would begin praising God. And in the beginning, because I'm slightly obsessive compulsive, I would go through the alphabet, you know, because everybody knows the alphabet. And so I would come up with the names of God that would go along with those letters. And just by praising God, a weird thing began to happen. The Holy Spirit allowed me to feel calm that I had never felt. And I began to feel God's presence like I had never felt. And I thought, this is really cool. I need to keep doing this, you know? And so it really radically changed my life. Wow. So I'm curious, did you experience that? right away, like the first day or the second day, or was it kind of almost like a progressive growth of peace? That is a great question. I experienced it enough the first day to want to try it again the Mm. second day. And the second day I experienced it more. And so I tried it the third day. Now it is 22 years later. And that's still how I began every morning because that's where I feel the most loved. And that's where I feel God's presence, the greatest. Wow. Wow. Well, so how did the Psalms in particular play into this? Okay. So I was raised in a very dysfunctional fundamentalist home. And so I heard a million sermons that anxiety was wrong, that Mm. it was a sin, you know, and that wasn't helping me because then I felt guilty on top of feeling anxious. And then I was worried about feeling guilty and it was just became this radical cycle. When I was reading the Psalms, I discovered Psalm 94, 19, where David says, when anxiety was great within me, your consolations brought me joy. And I just remember thinking, 
he has felt anxious like me. <laughs> I have found my people. Yes. <laughs> These people get me. And it was life-changing for me because if you read through the Psalms, they are very authentic about their anxiety. And I love that. And really not only them, Jennifer, but the apostle Paul also writes in the book of Philippians that I may have less anxiety. He doesn't say I'm anxious free. He says, I want a little less anxiety. So that was huge for me. You bring up a good point when sometimes we can either hear or ourselves when we read, we can pluck certain little nuggets from scripture and forget like the entire body, the whole book of scripture yeah. kind of puts it into a healthy context, I think. So yeah. in your in your study, you emphasize memorizing scripture. So I do. how in particular does this help us? Like when we do that, how in particular can that help us in relation to anxiety and fear? Okay. I love that you asked that because one of the principles that I teach is that everybody needs emergency verses. Mm. So what I mean by that is almost every home I know has an emergency kit somewhere. You know, it's got Band-Aids, it's got Neosporin, it's got aspirin or whatever, right? You need emergency verses because anxiety and panic can hit anywhere. It can hit you while you're driving. You know, you could be driving your car, maybe you're taking your kids to school or maybe you're driving to a doctor's appointment and all of a sudden you feel this sense of panic or anxiety and you can't pull over, grab your Bible and begin reading scripture over yourself. That's just not practical. But if you have a few key verses memorized, the Holy Spirit will allow those verses to calm the anxiety. Listen, I've tried this all over the world and it works. Now, what would you say? So somebody who maybe is listening and they have never really, they don't know a lot about scripture. How would you encourage them to find their emergency verses? You know, there are some common ones. I'll give you a few now. Psalm 23, almost everybody that whether they're in church or not in church knows the beginning of that. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, I will not want or Psalm 46, one God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. I particularly like that one because it reminds me that wherever I am, God is present. And so he is able to calm me and cool my anxiety, you know, just quiet it down. I mean, honestly, now we live in an age of Google. You really can Google best verses for anxiety and articles will pop up immediately. So just choose a few, you know, you don't have to memorize the whole Bible, but you can memorize maybe four or five verses and keep them in your mind so that when anxiety or panic come, you can go to those verses and remind yourself of the goodness of God. That's great suggestion. I would say too, so I read a lot of resources just in relation to this podcast in particular, and your study is one of the best I have found in in terms of really being like looking at anxiety from a big picture, from an honest, transparent picture, but you provide some really powerful truths in there. And so I would probably suggest too, if you struggle with anxiety and it's robbing you of your sleep, it's worth buying a study. But I don't know how much your study is on, you know, Amazon or on the Moody. It's around $13. Okay. Okay. So how much do you value your peace? How much do you value your sleep? In your book, you actually provide a suggested memorization scripture that, Mm -hmm. you know, going through, you provide a lot of scripture to memorize. So that would be a really easy way 
to find verses that are very particular to anxiety. So I would probably recommend, I would recommend her book as well. And so you also suggest in your book, I mean, I just love the layout. How did you determine the layout of, you know, like start having the memory, scripture memory, having the morning verse, having the morning prayer, having the study, having the evening prayer, like just kind of what was it about that structure that really drew you? Well, okay. So there's this verse in Psalm 92 too, and it says, I will proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. And I love rhythms, right? And so I'm like, okay, I want to keep my focus on Christ, but how do I do that in the midst of a really busy life? And so starting your morning with prayer, and I also suggest actually music in the book, different songs that people can just find on their phone, right on YouTube or Spotify. And listening to worship music has been huge for me. And so that because that's the way I start every morning, I want others to discover the joy of that, you know, and then the psalmist goes on to say, I proclaim your faithfulness at night. And so last thing before I close my eyes and go to sleep, or maybe I have my eyes closed, I just thank the Lord for his faithfulness throughout the day. But staying in touch with God like that keeps me more even keeled, you know, and it helps calm that anxious heart that I have. Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take, but I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the TMOS podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us. You know, I think too, just so I've talked on previous episodes about just brain chemistry and how our brain neuroplasticity and how our brain is constantly rewiring itself. And I can see how, so I can see the spiritual aspect because we're doing spiritual battle every time we, we pray and we speak scripture and every time we praise and worship. But then also there's this scientific side where I think just the way you lead, you lead readers through all these different activities, you're really helping them to restructure their brain to focus on truth in the middle of their anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, I read this and I can't tell you the source right now because I don't remember, but apparently our brains can't hold the anxiety and praise at the same time. Wow. So as we're praising God, the Holy Spirit is literally changing our brain chemistry. Is that not amazing? That's beautiful. That is so so incredible to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so like you think about 2000 years ago, people were reading like these passages in scripture where God is helping them rewire their brain. They know nothing about brain chemistry back then, (laughs) but God knew. Yes. Yeah. So it's really incredible, you know, and the Holy Spirit while we're praising God, he just, you know, soothes us. There's this Hebrew word in Psalm 63, where David writes, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And the interesting thing about that word glorify is it carries a double meaning. And I love this so much 
So it means like, yes, uplifting and glorifying God, but there's also a calming element to it. So God actually knew what he was doing when he invited us to praise him, because it's not like he's an insecure being that needs a good old vada boy every now and then. You know, he knows that when we praise him, the Holy Spirit is kind of going, Shh, it's okay. Just like we did with our babies, right? And so I love that picture. Yeah, that is. That just shows his heart towards us. Yeah. Right? God's heart towards us. I love that. And, you know, speaking of just God's heart and his character, there's a section in there where you encourage readers to spend time studying the names used in scripture for Jesus. Yes. And so do you have, and I'm sure all of those names at different times have really resonated with you, but has there been one particular name for Jesus that has really given, like encouraged you in your battle against fear? Yes, absolutely. And so I think my personal favorite name for Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. You know, as you read in my bio, I was sexually abused as a little girl. And so I had significant trauma as a child. And when I speak and share my testimony, a lot of people will say to me, well, Becky, where was God during that? And I'll tell you where God was. God was with me in that. And while I don't always understand God's ways, I don't understand why he didn't instantly rescue me, you know, and crush my abuser. However, he calmed me even as a child. And so as I've become an adult, my husband and I have had the privilege of traveling around the world. Some of the places we've been to have been scary. You know, I remember in one African country, being surrounded by teenage boys who were pointing AK-47s at us. Now, obviously, you're going to feel fear in those moments. But instantly, I began to practice my plan. See, that's the thing with anxiety. We need a plan Mm. because it's not going to go away. And so my plan is turn my panic into praise. So instantly, we're surrounded by these teenage boys pointing AK-47s at us. And without moving my lips or anything in my heart, I'm saying, God, thank you that you're here with me. Thank you that your presence surrounds us. Thank you that nothing can happen to us unless you allow it. Thank you that you are good and that you are loving and that these little teenage boys who are pointing AK-47s at us, you love them too. And they need Jesus. You know, as I'm praising God, I'm feeling his presence calming my anxious heart. You know, I love that phrase. I'm going to repeat it for our listeners. I think it'd be a great catchphrase to play through our mind. Turn your panic into praise. Yeah. What a powerful way to really, really battle our fear. Well, I love this quote on page 21. So I'm going to read it here. It says, you wrote, a worshipful heart cries out, God is good, even though life feels scary. Now, this was in discussion like, during you were discussing Psalm 27. So written by Uh ancient Israel's second King, a man named David now, and I know you've spent a lot of time studying David, his life and his writings in the Psalms. So was this a sentiment that David seemed to convey regularly? Yeah, I love David because I mean, he's one of my favorite biblical characters. I can't wait to meet him in heaven (laughs) because he's so passionate, you know, and he's so honest. And that's what I love because I think a lot of times when people follow Jesus 
and they give their lives to Christ and they join a church, they somehow feel like they need to deny their feelings. And we don't see that in the Psalms. You know, David is authentic and raw with his feelings. So sometimes he's like, God, where are you? You know, and other times he's in the pit of despair or in absolute panic, but he practices this two-step rhythm. He pours out his heart to God authentically. God, I'm afraid. I'm fearful. I feel like I'm drowning. You know, where are you? But then he shifts his focus to the almighty character of God. And then God calms his anxious heart, you know, and we see this pattern all through the Psalms. And I love it. It's like, you know, it, in one sentence, David is just crying out. You know, in fact, he says, like, he gets really angry at his enemies and prays, break their teeth, oh God. Now, you know, most of us can wrap our head around that prayer. And then then he'll be like, but Lord, you're my shield and you surround me with your loving kindness. And I just love that. You know, I love his authenticity. Yeah, actually, I was with a group of women this past weekend and I brought up your study because when in there, you talk about the importance of fully feeling our anger and even our hate towards someone in order to then experience the true and authentic compassion and love of Jesus Christ for that person. So I thought that was really great. I had to sit and think about that for a minute. I'm like, wow, that's a an intriguing thought. Well, I want to circle back to where you had mentioned growing up, you were in this sounds like a legalistic home. Very. Is that, okay. And where people just like attacked, okay, you're anxious, you shouldn't be anxious. So this is a sin. What would yep. you say to the person who, whether it's because they grew up in that kind of background or not, or whether they're just kind of they've heard certain verses out of context, you know, or or, or not understanding the context. What would you say to the person who really feels guilty about their anxiety? Yeah, I love that question because here's the thing. And I want your listeners to lean in for this. God is for you. He's not Mm. against you. And where Paul writes, be anxious for nothing. I always thought there was something wrong with me because I did feel anxious, you know, but if you analyze the Greek there, it's what Paul is really saying is don't stay in your anxiety. In fact, a lot of biblical writers and commentators and theologians believe that Jesus was very anxious in the garden. Jesus was on his knees in the garden pleading with God to remove the cup that he was about to face, which was, of course, the cross. Now, You have people that say, oh, Jesus never felt anxious. Well, scripture kind of denies that because it says that Jesus felt so much panic or anxiety in his soul that his sweat became as drops of blood. And so anxiety is not going to go away anytime soon. So don't put guilt on top of that. Just learn to give your anxiety to the Lord. And I like to say, view your anxiety as an invitation to your knees, because there Jesus will meet you. You know, it's interesting now, Jennifer, I'm older and hopefully a little bit wiser, which by the way, I have 14 grandchildren now. I'm going to have wow, to change awesome. that bio. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I now can say, you know, Lord, I am thankful that I have battled anxiety because it has 
benefited my prayer life and my worship life. I would not have the intimacy with Christ that I now experience had I never felt anxiety because it forced me to go to my knees and say, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. Come and meet me here. Well, and I would imagine, well, I know just from reading your books, and so it's greatly impacted your ability to serve others as well in their yeah. difficult places. So that's awesome. And I love that you brought Jesus, the example of Jesus in the garden. And, and I agree with you. And he said, my soul is troubled or something yes. to that effect. And we know Jesus never sinned. So right. Like Jesus is God's sinless son. And so therefore, if Jesus never sinned and he experienced anxiety, then we can't call anxiety a sin. It's what we allow the anxiety to take us to, I would say, is is when it becomes sin or an avenue for praise. So I think that's really awesome. And I loved what you wrote, just speaking of feeling guilty when we do experience these unpleasant emotions. You wrote on page 32, the key is not to feel guilty for fear, but to know the weapons that are available and use them to fight back. Now, following this, you discuss the importance of regularly just sitting in God's presence. So can you bring us back to, and I loved your story of your couch. I'd love, maybe you can just share this, your weeping couch. I love a picture. Like I hope I know. So when we, so we're going to meet in November. next month, next month. Yes. yes. And so Please bring a picture. I want to, if you have one, I would love I to don't. see you. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> bummer, bummer. But tell, tell our listeners about this weeping couch and really you experiencing the presence of God. Yeah. And so when we were in the thick of raising our kids, I had bought, my husband and I together had bought this light blue couch and I loved the light blue couch. And every morning I would grab my coffee, you know, and I would get down on my knees and I would pray for our kids and pray about different things going on. And sometimes I would just cry before the Lord. And so my tears had created a little stain on one of the cushions of the couch. You know, it was my weeping couch and I loved that, you know, and then after one of my surgeries for breast cancer, my high school daughter came running up to the bedroom where I was resting and was like, mom, hang on to the bed because dad's selling everything. And I'm like, don't let him sell my couch. And she's like, oh, it's too late. He's already sold it. <laughs> and I was like, baby, you sold my weeping couch. He's like, what are you talking about? That couch had a stain on it. I'm like, yeah, but it represented my time in God's presence. Don't worry. I have forgiven my husband. Now I have a weeping, now I have a weeping chair in my nice. office and that has stains on it too. But it's the place where you meet with God and you pour out your soul authentically to him and you begin to feel God's presence as you're authentic with him. And that's what's so amazing about praise. You know, as you're pouring out your heart to the Lord, as you're perhaps weeping and your worship is your weeping, but you're also saying, Lord, thank you. I love you. Thank you for being here with me. I praise you because you're good and holy and true and loving and kind, you know, and as you're doing that, the Holy Spirit really awakens your soul and allows you to experience the comforting presence of Christ. Wow. Yeah. So why do you think it's so important When like when we're in waiting periods, whether that's waiting for marriage that to heal or a child that's kind of gone wayward to return or maybe waiting for a job, whatever it is. Why is it important to worship during those seasons? 
Because, I mean, we hate to wait, right? I mean, we want everything yesterday. I mean, if we go to the grocery store and there's a long line, we look for the shorter line. If we're in line at our favorite coffee place and it's a drive-through and there's a long line, you know, we may give up. We want everything quickly. And so waiting again in our seasons of waiting, as we're praising God, he calms that anxiety. Because I think a lot of people think of anxiety only as worry and fear. But anxiety can also show up as like stress and hurry, you know, and a lot of us are continually in a hurry, myself included. I've had to confess that so many times, Jennifer, to the Lord and just say, calm me down, Lord. You know, things can't happen at 90 miles an hour. You know, it's remarkable, Jennifer, because as you read through the Gospels, you will discover that Jesus was never in a hurry. I don't know about you, but that's profound to me. (laughs) And I need to slow down a little bit, you know, and just quiet my soul before the Lord. You know, you bring up a good point. And I will often encourage people when they're like, when they're making decisions to respond to something or maybe react to a situation and they feel like they have to do it right now. Yes. I often try to remind myself that, like you said, Jesus was never in a hurry. Satan, our spirit, we do have a spiritual enemy. Scripture says we have a spiritual enemy and his name is Satan. And he is often tries to get us to be in a hurry so that we don't stop and pray and think. But God either prepares us in advance or he. Yeah. So. I love that you brought that up. You did talk about, so in week three, you addressed anger, which I think is, yeah. and I think listeners might be surprised. I personally believe anger and bitterness can have a huge impact on anxiety. Like, yeah, and can feel I do it. too. And you talked about, and I loved your emphasis. You don't tell us to shove down our emotions, to not feel them or to beat ourselves up for them, but to kind of explore them. And so in week three, you wrote, quote, feelings of anger alert us to the need that some part of our soul needs care. I would love if you would just kind of unpack that a bit. Yeah. And so that really came home to me. I'll never forget, Jennifer, I was sitting in a counselor's office getting counseling for the abuse I experienced as a child. And, you know, in the setting in which I was raised, it was anger's wrong, you know, and you're not supposed to feel anger. Well, the problem with that is Jesus got pretty angry in the temple and flipped a few tables, right? So clearly that's not truth, you know? So I had learned and become an expert at denying my anger. And I remember telling the counselor, oh, I'm not angry about the abuse, you know? And she looked at me for a long time and she said, you are, it's coming out as anxiety. Wow, wow. (laughs) You know, and I had to really explore that with the Lord because I think we are in danger in some Christian communities of rather than discipling people to actually follow Jesus and to be authentic with their feelings, we're discipling them into Buddhism, which dumbs down all our feeling, you know, and denying anger is really dangerous for your soul. Instead, take it out before the Lord and say, Lord, I am ragingly angry. Show me what to do with this anger. I mean, again, David had the audacity to pray, break their teeth, oh God. And I mean, some of your listeners probably feel like that. Some of them have probably felt that in the last week. You know, when injustice happens, we get angry and that's okay. It's what we do with that anger, you know? And so as we bow it before the Lord, 
he can transform our anger into something peaceful and beautiful. And maybe we need to take up the mantle to do something about the injustice. You know, a lot of people are angry over trafficking. Well, that's a good thing to be angry over. I'm angry over that too. What can you do about it? You know, or maybe you're angry over homelessness. Well, that's an issue that would be great for you to take up and try to do something with it. So see your anger as a signal that something in your soul needs attention and then take that before the Lord. He is the wonderful counselor and he can direct you what to do with that anger. You know, and I love how you keep bringing it back to, you said numerous times, you know, I dealt with this with the Lord or bring this to the Lord. And why is that so important as opposed to just feeling our feelings? So maybe even speak to those who, who are not Christ followers, who maybe don't even know Jesus, what is the difference between just having this emotion and feeling it and feeling and processing it with a sovereign God? The difference is that, again, God is with us. So if you don't know God yet, he's still there with you, you know, and scripture says he is the wonderful counselor. And I love that image for God because scripture also tells us that God bends down to listen. You know, I can remember when my kids were little and they'd be out in the backyard and somebody would get hurt and they'd run inside, you know, with big old tears streaming down their face. And I'd get down on one knee so that I was eye level with them. You know, and I would say, tell me what happened, you know, and that's the picture of God. I think a lot of religious systems around the world have given us this picture of God who is angry, who is against us, who is ready to punish us. That's not the God that scripture teaches. The scripture teaches us that God wants a friendship with you, that God wants to hear your heart. And so I would encourage you, if you've never explored this before, to take baby steps, you know, maybe start by reading the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and start taking a look at Jesus, you know, because what's interesting about Jesus is Jesus spent a whole lot more time with the sinners than he did with the religious people. So if you're a sinner, you're going to be one of Jesus' best friends. And, (laughs) And Jesus took time to listen to people. He let them pour out their heart. And I love that because we need a God who's going to bend down to listen to us because we're complicated, you know? Well, I mean, I think that's who Jesus is, right? It's God in the flesh coming to us at eye level, ear level, our level. And I'd love us to close on this. As you are inviting God into your struggle, how does he kind of I mean, does he alert you to things that you might not otherwise know? Like, especially in your healing journey, I'm sure there were parts of your soul that you weren't even alert to, like wounds Mm -hmm. you weren't even alert to. So how is that when you bring your fear and your anxiety to God, what kind of work internally does he do within you? He does a lot of work internally in our lives, Jennifer. I, you know, you begin by saying, okay, Lord, I am really a mess. I need your help. And I invite you to come into my mess and show me how to sort it all out. Now, he might speak to you through, he definitely speaks through the word of God, but he also might speak to you through a counselor. He also might speak to you through a medical doctor. You know, he might encourage you to go on some medicine for a little while, while you sort the whole thing out. 
he might speak to you with a friend. You know, I can remember being with friends and all of a sudden they would say something. And I had this divine awareness that this was God speaking through my friend, having me address some issue that maybe I hadn't addressed yet. And so God really speaks to us in a whole variety of ways. He could speak to you even in visions and dreams. I mean, we're seeing this all over the world where Jesus is coming in visions and dreams to a lot of different communities, revealing himself. So, you know, don't underestimate how God might speak to you, but open your life before him and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you in my anxiety because I can't fight this by myself. So as you invite him in, he's going to give you wisdom along the way. That's awesome. Well, and I would just remind our listeners. So Becky's book, The Extraordinary Power of Praise, a six-week study on the Psalms for the anxious heart. It is a really, it's going to be a great resource that will not only help you, like I said, kind of reprogram your thinking and also deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ, give you some tools that you can really take today to fight your anxiety. So Becky, thank you so much for sharing your journey, your insights with us. Thank you, Jennifer. It's been a delight to be with you. What a great podcast you have. Thank you. Thank you. And then I will have her where you can find her online as well in our show notes. So make sure to check those out as well. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. I hope today has given you just some concrete steps that you can take in your battle against fear. Recognize we all battle, like Becky said, we all battle fear and anxiety. And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, I would encourage you to do so. And then you won't miss a single episode. And make sure to share it with your friends this episode specifically so that your friends can experience just that supernatural peace that scripture talks about. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free. Faith Over Fear is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.